Welcome to another episode of the Beat Around the Brush podcast. This is Matt, and I'm still your host. On this episode of the podcast, I have Mayor Pro Tem of the City of Brush and Morgan County Veteran Services Officer Dan Scalisi. I also have former Brush Chamber Director and recently retired person Melody Christensen in for her second visit. We spent the majority of the show talking about veterans and what it means to serve your nation and your community, as well as mental health and veteran suicide awareness and prevention. With that in mind, and before I get too far into the intro, I wanted to share some important resources for veterans, their families, and support systems. Dan and Melody, in partnership with veterans, support organizations, and veterans in Morgan County, have established a few programs for veteran suicide awareness and prevention. On the 22nd of every month at noon, veterans of all ages and sometimes even a few civvies stand in downtown Brush to raise awareness about veteran suicide. 22 veterans commit suicide every day, and 22 is too many. Nico VSAP, or Northeast Colorado Veteran Suicide Awareness and Prevention, is a group of local citizens comprised of veterans and civilians whose focus is on preventing veteran suicides. Through community and individual interaction, their goal is to provide resources to veterans who are struggling with making the transition to life outside of a military structure. Together with veterans enlists rural veterans and their local partners to join forces to reduce veteran suicide in their community. To get involved in 22 is Too Many, BSAP and Together with Veterans, contact Dan Scalisi at his office phone, which is 970-542-3552, or call his cell at 970-768-3971, or call Melody at 970-768-0109. Or if you aren't sure or want to get some more information, visit nicovsap.org, that is N-E-C-O-V-S-A-P.org, to learn more about the various resources out there. And lastly, if you are a veteran that is struggling, please call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 to get support right away. Without further ado, here is Mayor Pro Tem and Veteran Services Officer Dan Scalisi and former Brush Chamber Director and recently retired person, Melody Christensen. Okay. Hey. Okay. Well, we're gonna. Well, I like cold. Op- cold opens are my favorite for podcasts. Where instead of having like a, this is the podcast name, and we're gonna start right now. And we, 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 the music starts, and you fall into. I was just like stumbling into the intro. I think it's good. Just kind of getting there. It was good last time when I did it with you. It was. Well, and I, 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 I wanted. I think I just winged it at the beginning, and then sort of tripped into the intro that I, I wrote. Yeah. Uh, speak oh, yeah. of the devil. He wrote intros. I always oh. write intros. <laughs> I thought somebody came in. I wrote an intro <laughs> for you guys. I wrote an intro. Um, wait, let's start this bad boy. What do you guys think? Okay. My cool. name is Dan <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. I, got, I wrote the intro. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. With me today for the third episode of the Beat Around the Brush podcast is Veteran Services Director and City Counselor at the City of Brush, Dan Scalisi, and Melody Christensen, Executive Director of the Brush Area Chamber of Commerce and soon-to-be-retired person! <laughs> I didn't even tell Dan about the applause break for that. It's totally non... It's just ridiculous. All right. Um, We all remember Melody from episode two. Melody is a soon-to-be-retired person who's going to live in Oregon. (laughs) 
Yeah, part-time. <laughs> Melody has dedicated her time as chamber director to making this community a place to be proud of. It's safe to say that we will all miss seeing her at the chamber, at the events she so graciously planned and coordinated over the years, at the Sands Theater, at luncheons, and raising awareness about veteran suicide. I am so thankful to have worked with Melody over the last year and a half, and I will look forward and always look forward to building a lasting friendship with her into the future. Uh, you can't get rid of me yet, all right? I'm going to be around for a while. And I got Dan's intro. Coming in hot off the press. I'm having a hard time coming up with things that Dan doesn't do. <laughs> City councilor, veteran services director, brush chamber, rotary club, lions club, sands theater, central school. He works on several boards and commissions. And most importantly, he is quite the accomplished Italian chef. Dan is a tr is truly a Sicilian renaissance man. <laughs> I worked on that for a while. Yay. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. In my short time in brush, I've come to know Dan as a leader who leads from the front. His style is truly something that has informed my opinion on leadership in many ways. And, and most importantly, he makes a mean meatball, all right? <laughs> and you should hear his cell phone ring. Yeah, is your phone ringing right now? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. The mob boss coming in. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate, appreciate you guys wanting to be on the podcast. Sure well, thing. thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, man. absolutely. You guys are going to have uh, an audience of about one whole listener here uh, coming in the next month. So we're growing every month. It's getting bigger by I the second. Tell you. I, I just want to jump in. You guys you guys cool with jumping in? We're jump. Cool with that. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> We're cool like that. <laughs> the questions that I came up with and the, the themes I wanted to talk about today because of the people I think that I'm with are community spirit and veterans obviously is going to be a major focus of today's conversation. But since I don't get to interview city councilors very often, mm -hmm. I got some questions for you, Dan. But Melody, obviously, please chime in, share discussions, ideas. That's, that's what this podcast is for. Happy to. Um, so you're a city councilor, Dan. Yes. How long have you been a city councilor? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Before bread. Longer than I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. I... That's hilarious. Let's see who it is. We were joking about this before the podcast started that we were going to do interruptions. Oh, no, she hung up on <laughs> Whoever it was. I was really excited to find out who it was. I know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must not have been that fun. It was a recording that I heard earlier. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What did they say? Now I want to know. Uh, it's the Excel or checking, um, what do you call them, things, when they check them. The meters? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah the things. <laughs> when they checking them yeah, things. You're going to start checking meters again. <laughs> That's so funny. We're supposed to stay away from them. So, so Dan, how long have you been a sea oh, counselor? Back to that, huh? <laughs> Uh, wait, I'll wait for the phone to yeah, ring. Yeah, just in and, case. Well, I started, um, well, I was on the city council for 12 years, and then I ran for mayor. I was elected for four. Um, I went for a second term for four, and unfortunately or fortunately, uh, there is no third term. You have to be away for one term before you could run again. So I was off for four years, and then I... I came back as uh, a city councilor again, and I'm in my uh, first term of that. So it, altogether, it's probably going to be about 24 years. Wow. And you're the mayor pro tem right now, right? Mayor pro tem. Yeah. Yes. That's incredible. And he's only 30. That's yeah. wow. Looking great for 30 now. Got a lot yeah. of energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, so with that in mind, you know, I think it takes a certain individual to give back to their community. What motivated you to want to be involved in city council in the first place? Well, uh, as I was growing up, um, 
you know, I like I like the elderly people. I, obviously, uh, I was in um, long-term care for 27 years. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I I grew up, or when I graduated from college, I came to Ebenezer, and was there for um, 17 years. I retired. Uh, I went on to be uh, uh, city uh, city administrator. No. <laughs> Scratch that. Scratch that. I, I went on to be uh, administrator for two facilities in Morgan County. Oh, okay. And then I came back to Ebenezer uh, doing social work, and I retired in 2013 uh, from that position. And I thought it would be a long time retirement, but uh, as Melody will find out, unless she moves to Oregon real quickly, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people knocking on her door saying we could use your expertise or we could use your help or blah blah yeah so if you get sucked in it's a never-ending uh <laughs> sacrifice of your time yeah uh, making things better for our community i've had a few conversations with uh kim over at the city about how she sort of fell into it and yeah. i think it was actually ron prasher who told her to get involved and was like, Kim, it's only an hour a month. Don't worry about it. Well, we all felt Ron, Ron gave that speech to a lot of people. <laughs> Melody. Me. Really? He was my boss. Here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's only an hour a month. Ron was he good told me when I, when, um, he wanted me to be uh, board president that it would only be an hour or two a month. <laughs> Which that was... Or two a day. Was it about an hour or two a month? <laughs> well, are you kidding? <laughs> Ask anybody that's been involved. It's never an hour or two. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I'm encouraged to know that I live 20 miles out in the country and no one knows where I live, so no one will be knocking on my door, I'm guessing. <laughs> so we that could helps. hope. And I can ignore my phone. We're so going to find you. It's all good. We have the internet, Melody. You can't get that far uh, away. I mean, Google Maps is no, robust. FedEx can't even find me. FedEx it's, can't yeah, find your no. house? no. <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> safe at my house. I'm safe. Um, well, I want to keep diving into this, the, the idea of being community-minded, the, the idea of giving back to a community is, did you always have a civic mind, or did you have to wait for retirement to come to that, or how did you get there? No, I've always been interested in giving back to my community, and at first I thought, you know, being a city council would be a way of doing that. Because you give up your time and, you know, you do have an opportunity to learn a lot of things, city government. So I was interested in that. And that led me, of course, to uh, moving on to a higher position, which I did enjoy as well. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's an attitude of giving that you have to have um, in order to really enjoy what you're working on and who you're working with. I agree with that. Is Have you ever encountered somebody uh, that you absolutely hated being involved with uh, while trying to do what's best for the community, in your opinion? I know that sometimes, well, and you don't have to say exactly what it is, but I'm just curious, is oftentimes people who want to make a big difference are pushed back against. Uh, and so I'm curious if, if you've experienced that. Um, a simple and a non-cruel <laughs> answer would be, no, no. Um, you know, everybody has their own style, and... Uh, I think you need to be somebody who understands that not everybody thinks the way you do, and sometimes that's a good idea. But um, you have to be somebody that can, uh, so to speak, roll with the punches without getting um, too bent out of shape about it. 
and uh, it's best just to keep quiet. You know, you know that's an acceptance. Quiet, quiet, and contemplative. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I've heard that a few times. Um, do you find that it's easier to do that in local government where you don't have to be partisan? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to, I guess, put a put a label on to your beliefs. Instead, it's just you're sharing your beliefs with your community, and then hopefully they believe in what you're trying to do. Yeah. Right. And again, you have to know everybody has a belief, so it's it's something that you have to work with. Interesting. I I've been noodling around with this idea, and I this one's going to come to you too, Melody. So you're not out of this just yet. I know you've been quiet so far. Is uh, your city council? Uh, your 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 term as a city councilor comes up. Um, would you ever consider, and Melody, you're in this too, a uh, higher political office or a different political office or something like that? No, because as you mentioned just a minute ago, um, serving in the capacity I am doing and have done is one thing, but as you move up that uh, political ladder, there is sides to choose, and that makes it a little more difficult, I think, uh, so no, I'm I, I I pursued the county commissioner at one point. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, 2012, and um, I lost, of course. But uh, you know, I, I just saw a different way of uh, you needed to be to be successful. There. Sure, so, sure. It's the a whole different political game, I yeah. imagine, at that level as well. And then not even the filing requirements, the accounting requirements and all that extra stuff that goes into it. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, but for someone who's getting ready to retire soon, pursuing a nonpartisan office seems very interesting. Melody, you have experience with this community. What do you think? Would you ever pursue a nonpartisan office? No. <laughs> <laughs> Melody, um, from what I understand, it's only an hour a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heard that somewhere. No, I don't think so. Um, I've got so much that I want to do in retirement, and I'm still wanting to do, like, the volunteer type thing. Sure. The nice thing about volunteers is that you can say no. Definitely. I don't know if it, it's just not working into your schedule right then or if it's something that you really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, now, politics has never been in my my speed no. at all. No. no I, this I, is about as high as I want to go in the city <laughs> right here. <laughs> so... It's curious. I've I've spent a lot of time, uh, especially when I was young, sort of fantasizing about getting involved in politics and what that would mean. And I remember reading a book. Uh, I don't want to say which senator, but they described uh, what it was like the day to day life of a federal senator. Like three to four hours a day, you're just sitting on the phone calling donors, begging for money. Mm. I I yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah. I, that sounds awful. It does sound um, awful. And so I can't imagine, you know, you, you, you want to give back and you're of the idealistic mindset where you think you can. And then the reality of what that political office actually means sits in. And then you think, wow, I don't think I'm going to change anything at all. I'm just stuck in the machine and I won't be able to do the things I want to do. So I, it's interesting being able to see local government more effectively and be more in it. I, I could definitely see myself pursuing the office, uh, which who knows which city it'll be in when I'm older, but pursuing office at a local level. I, I think that would be really rewarding. Um, do you find that, uh, being, a uh, a, a, you know, a small town, uh, city councilor is rewarding is it challenging is it uh is it something you'd recommend to other people sure i think anybody who has a has a love or heart for their community um it's an opportunity to give back it's an opportunity to learn 
grow. Um, you know, there there are people who who really like that, and there are people who don't. Definitely, so you just have to go with your your heart and and whatever you feel comfortable with. So it's it's interesting. Is where when you started getting involved, did you jump straight to the city council, or did you try out some boards and commissions to kind of see what, what it was about, or you just took the dive? It kind of all came together. Oh, okay. You know, once you once you got on one, and then you know word spread, and you got on another. And right, blah, blah, blah. right. So yeah, it's you can maybe start out if somebody's interested, get involved with a commission or a board or volunteer your services um, through an organization and just get yourself out there so people know who you are. Definitely. And that helps uh, when it comes time for other opportunities. So it's, it's tying in with another thought that I'm kind of having is, so Melody, you won't pursue political office per se. Are you interested in sitting on boards and commissions to have your voice heard for communities? Or is that something that that's not even in the cards for retirement? Possibly, yeah, but I don't want to do what Dan's done. I mean, <laughs> Dan has every board in the city of Brush, I'm pretty sure, has been on at least one time or another. You know, maybe one or two, um, something that um, that I love, that I feel passionate about. Uh, I could probably guess one is yeah. something involved with veterans right, in some way, exactly. and, and that yeah. would be incredible, yep. which leads to a great segue, which are obviously the thing I'm not good at. Uh, I, I love listening to old episodes of the podcast and hear me try and stumble through the different themes I want to talk about with people. I just say, screw it to format. I'm just trying to get to the answers. You know what I mean? There you go. Um, so I, I, obviously, I'm not a veteran. I did not serve in the military, but I fantasized about being involved in it when I was a child. What motivated the both of you to want to serve in the military? And I think we were touching on a little bit of those ideas in the community spirit idea, but I'm very curious. Who wants to jump in? I don't mind. I, 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 uh, ladies first. <laughs> He's buttering me up for something. I know he is. Uh, well, for me, it was, I really had no desire to go to college. Um, I don't know why. I guess I didn't like school. Probably had something to do with it. Um, and all of my, pretty much all of my family were military. So that's kind of what I knew. So, um, that's the route I chose to go. I signed up in my senior year of school. I was supposed to go with another gal from my class and she ended up having some health issues. So she ended up going about six months after me. So we weren't able to, to join together, but, um, spent four years in the active duty Navy and then seven years reserve time. So, um, if I had to do it over again, I'd probably do it the same way. Um, I appreciated my time in the military, learned a lot. You know, you get food and clothing for free. Life is good. So they, they house you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a little weird getting out because then you had to try to figure out how to house and oh, clothe. We're and definitely going to talk yourself. about that. For sure. So, um, so that was kind of tough, but, um, yeah, if I had to do it over again, I would. So that was really mine. It just, I, school wasn't for me. Sure. So I knew I had to do something. So Interesting. chose military. Coming at you, Dan. Well, um, I did go to school, graduated. Um, but prior to that, I was drafted into the military. And I served two years in the military. 19 months of that was spent uh, in training in Vietnam. When I got out, uh, I went to school under the GI Bill, which was great. Um, graduated from 
University of Illinois. And I came into healthcare because I sent out my resumes and that was my field of interest was gerontology. So um, the administrator at that time um, flew me out to brush for an interview, not to brush because you know, I had to come from Denver, but uh, anyways, <laughs> um, I liked the job, they liked me, so uh, we moved out here, um, started working at Ebenezer, was there, as I said, for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and in that time, the, uh, and one of the administrators I would served under said, hey, why don't you serve in city council? You know, get out there, get some experience, and Sound like a good idea to me. Interesting. So I dove in, and that's the same person who said, hey, why don't you run for mayor? <laughs> <laughs> this hour a month thing is going to be a running joke, I have a feeling. You know, it's very interesting. Um, I've talked to many people who have chosen to join the military. I have not had the opportunity to talk to many people who were drafted. What does that feel like? feels like your world is coming to an end. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was 1968. You know, it was a, a real tough time because yeah. a lot of the guys who went over earlier were coming back, and we heard about, you know, all the spitting on them and, you know, all the bad stuff that, that they've talked about. Um, I came back in 1970, and I didn't experience any of that, uh, that treatment. I mean, there was not parades or anything like that, but uh, everybody was polite. You know, you were in uniform. Uh, it went well. And since then, and I just want to throw this in, I went on one of the flights to Washington, D.C. for the um, honor flight. And that's so uh, heartwarming um, to see how you're treated now People in the airports would stop, applaud, shake your hand. You know, uh, the way you were treated when you went there, it was, it's an experience that you'll never forget um, having had the opportunity to go. So uh, I'm glad I had that opportunity as well. Um, Very emotional. Yeah. I imagine, yeah. I, I, so I don't know much about the honor flight. If you guys could expand on what that is and, and the significance. Well, it's they started with um, some World War One veterans. I don't know very many, but yeah. uh, mainly uh, World War Two, Korea. Okay. And then they kept moving up the line. Uh, I don't know if there was any in between that. There was Vietnam. Then there was uh, different aspects of serving. You know, Afghanistan and Desert Storm and stuff like that. So you just you send in an application, and uh, they usually do different brand, not branches, but different timelines of the service. Okay. Like World War II veterans first, and then once they've gone through that list, then they they go to the next Vietnam or whatever, and invite those people that have sent in letters, and when they're they get, reach that particular stage of of the military, then they you get an invite to go and the trip is entirely free to the veteran free and then it's like i mean i guess it's in the title they honor the veterans in some way mm -hmm. every way yeah oh that's incredible every way you go to washington dc you're you're treated with uh white gloves uh 
you go to very different uh, functions. It's like 48 hours of nonstop um, entertainment and, and everything. And uh, it's just marvelous. Uh, you go to the National Monuments, um, Air Force, uh, you, World War II monuments, uh, Vietnam, they're all there that you get. And if you can't walk, they'll push you in a wheelchair. There are people that are called guardians yeah. that go with, and they take care of your every need and help you in every way possible. Are a lot of veterans aware of this? You know... Um, Probably not as many as should. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. You know, everybody I talk to, I, I that and invariably that it'll come up in a conversation, and we try to spread the word, but... And I know it's it's not just Colorado; it's all over the United States that that uh, have this. Um, I was going to say I don't remember the name of the the colonel that started it, um, but anyways, Cass. Yeah, Colonel Cass. Colonel Cass. I think that's it. Yeah. C A S S or something yeah. like that. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, he just and passed he, away in the last yeah. year or two. Oh, that's too bad. And he kind of funded it, you know, because. You're talking about 120 to 200 people that go over, yeah. and, and it's a overnight stay uh, that's funded. You don't, nothing out of pocket for any of the veterans, unless you want to buy a little trinket or something. Sure, like sure. So, yeah, it was a marvelous thing, and it's not the fact that it was free. It's the fact that uh, you just feel so uplifted being uh, there. Well, I imagine for yeah. the the veterans who dealt with you know the draft, maybe yeah. in Vietnam, where they were treated terribly, is to see that cultural shift over time, where these veterans are now honored. I mean, that must bring a lot of happiness to you guys, yeah. Yeah, happiness and tears. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of, of tears. tears for, and you know, it brings back memories of people that you've lost. Sure. Because it's hardly anybody I know that didn't lose somebody close to them that they were with, or you know, at one time had contact yeah with, so yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. very amazing it makes me want to share with my grandfather he was a uh, uh he was in the korean war and served as a paratrooper and uh he should go he had i would love if he did he's in his 90s uh it's doesn't matter he sh oh yeah I, he shared stories um about i couldn't imagine some of the same but he, he was saying they were 500 feet above the air or something like that and they would just boot him out the plane with the chute <laughs> really? and just drop in that's it's really all it was and he actually he, he would talk about his knees a lot his knees are all jacked up from it and working at chevron for 40 years and all that but uh he's he's like talking about it as one of the most exciting terrifying exhilarating experiences that you could possibly have and i mean i you can't even pay me to jump out of a plane on purpose let alone <laughs> do it on orders 500 feet above the ground in a parachute from the 60s or something right, like that. Exactly. that that's crazy was yeah. it difficult for him to talk about those kind of things not Matt? so much surprisingly um I, he he had a lot of support, a lot of his friends. I think the sad part is he's 90-something now, and a lot of his friends aren't around anymore. Um, but I think it's he's gotten in the habit. He didn't for a long time and had struggled a bit with alcoholism um, and then got around, got his alcoholism under control, and started doing a daily diary of everything he was experiencing, everything he was dealing with, and he did it for like 30 years. I mean, he's had written more diaries than I've been alive at this point. And I think what happened was the the therapy in getting everything out with the diary allowed just so much weight to come off of him to just talk about it completely freely and openly. And I share that with my, my younger friends now who have gone through stressors that I can't even possibly begin to understand, but I can 
look at the information I've been shared, uh, like from my grandfather, and sort of talk about those benefits for them. And I mean, it worked wonders for him to just get it out. Yeah, well, that's that's you know that's a whole therapy thing that um, your grandfather was way ahead of his time then because now the big push is that you you know a lot of veterans don't want to talk about their time in service uh, and that's holding them back somewhat is because they don't feel that uh, that the resolve of of getting it out yeah the weight finally yeah. off your shoulders and I, I think if you can talk about it which a lot of them don't like to do it invariably will help the situation you know that's a really good point and and it's curious then is it, it probably requires a comfortable and safe environment where you where you feel okay with actually saying yeah i can't imagine my grandfather walking up to a waitress and telling the stories about anything like that but it, to say the same thing is i can't imagine him you know walking over to maybe my grandma and sharing some of those stories but he would with someone else if he felt that level of comfort and well you know what safety. we've, we've um, kind of experienced now is that um, for a while, I was I belonged to an organization called Qualified Veterans. Okay. I'm sorry, Qualified Listeners. Uh oh. Who was basically made up of veterans that had served, and uh, one of the main points they brought out is veterans don't usually like to share with common folk. Being <laughs> yeah, no, non-veterans. I've definitely heard that. So, if you're going to talk to a veteran, it's best that you have another veteran to be there to help them feel more comfortable. They can better understand the experience. Yeah, and, they can and, relate yes, absolutely. to the experience. Yeah. That's very true. And I, I could definitely see the value in, in going to people with like minds in that regard. Um, that's, that actually ties in going into what I wanted to talk about next. Another <laughs> terrible segue on Matt's part. Is it to Melody? It's going to go to Melody, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so I, I, we talked about it in the last podcast, but if you could please just a uh, quick summary on what uh, the purpose of 22 a day was and where it came from and what inspired you to pursue that. Right. 22 is too many. Um, so back in 2006, um, I got to go through the awful experience of my husband committing suicide um probably one of the longest nights of my life um and I told my son after that day um I need to do something with suicide I don't know what it is right now but I need to do something so it took me until 2014 actually to do something and um, I happened to see something on Facebook of a gentleman who was standing in the center of a town with a sign that said 22 is too many or 22 veterans a day commit suicide and he just stood there with a sign hoping people would join him and eventually he had quite a crowd of people that came and joined him and I thought hmm we should be doing that in every city in the United States so on October 22nd of 2014 I told my husband I said I'm gonna go stand on the corner with this sign that says 22 veterans a day commit suicide and invite people and see what happens. I couldn't tell you for sure how many people joined that first time, but since that time, we've had anywhere from four people on the corner to over 30 people standing on the corner. So we do it the 22nd of every month uh, from 12 to 1. We've kind of moved around a little bit on our spots, but um, and now with construction <laughs> downtown, we're moving again. Um, but we try to do it uh, in a very... Um, 
uh, high traffic. Thank area. you, high traffic area. Yeah, where people really. That's why we got us. two people in yeah, the podcast. Exactly. By the way. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it works really well. People kind of know we're out there now, so they yeah. come by intentionally just to come through and honk and support us. So, so now we're out there with signs and we've got flags and we have all the military flags out there and United States flags and um, it's just turned into a quite a quite an event. Um, we're hoping that the number will go down to zero one day. Absolutely. Um, but with the pandemic that's been going on lately, I'm afraid those numbers take over. Don't. What did you say? Did that on purpose? You better not. That's twenty dollars in the in the COVID yes, jar. Yes. Oh no, I did it too. Oh, it was a quarter. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but with the pandemic, we're not hearing a lot about it. But I'm pretty sure that those numbers have risen, probably because of people being um, quarantined at home and not being able to get out and talk to their navy. They're not necessarily navy uh, veteran brothers yeah. um, and go to their events and that kind of thing. So. Uh, we'll see what the numbers, how they come out when this is all over with, I guess. Wow. But it's kind of scary that we're pretty sure it's raised. What what can uh, us common folk, I guess, or us civilians, what can we do, especially right now? Um, is there anything like organizations we could donate to? Is there or, or groups we can link our veterans' friends to? Sure. I mean, there's the 800 number, of course, for... Um, on me at the moment um the 800 number for the suicide hotline um they're coming up with i think it passed the senate a 411 i believe it is number that they're coming up with for veteran suicide um, that they can call um they're uh, the biggest thing i guess is to talk about it you know it's been such a stigma for so long you know it's an awful awful thing that you commit suicide whether it's a veteran or whoever it is sure but just to get rid of the stigma and talk about it and I think it's coming out a lot more than it used to. And I don't know if that's social media that's helping with that, I'm assuming. Um, but that's probably the biggest thing is just don't be afraid to talk about it. Well, I think I, I said this in the last podcast, but the, I, I, I didn't consciously be I, I didn't I wasn't even thinking of a, that cause existed until you shared your story with me. And it clicked finally. And so it's I, I would almost ask to is not just the vets to share, but the vets who, or the people who've dealt with vets who've been a part of these things to share their experience as well with the people who have never dealt with it to then gain those allies uh, for the cause. Cause I know vets and then I could spread the word to them and, right. and so on and so forth. Uh, that's something that I, I'm so glad you've had the courage and, and the strength to share your story with everybody, especially on a podcast of all places, mm -hmm. especially my terrible podcast, <laughs> but I, I sincerely appreciate it. And you know, it's, this is going to beget a larger conversation about veteran suicide awareness, but in addition to federal and state programs and initiatives and all that, what kind of cultural or societal shifts do you guys think we need to continue getting that number from 22 down to zero? Well, sharing and caring, right. I think, are the two things that, as a society, we don't shove it in the drawer. Yeah. We, we deal with it. We talk about it. We help as we can or are able. Um, I, I hate to, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm very um, conscious of when I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me, um, what they've gone through that I really have to bite my tongue and not say well why don't you try this or why don't you go 
see this because I, don't, I really don't think it's um, our place to recommend. Well, we can recommend. I don't, I'll take that back. I don't think it's our place to treat anybody that's uh, depressed, suicidal. I think there are experts out there that are trained in that, and it, you do have to have a proper training in order to help somebody through crisis and things like Agreed. that. Agreed. So, you know, talk to them. You know, what I've started to do since we've been quarantined for eight, nine weeks is <laughs> I'm calling all the vets that I deal with and saying, hey, are you okay? You know, and I didn't start that. I heard it somewhere else, but you just call people that you know. So if you're not a vet, call a vet. Call a vet. Just say, hey, how you doing? Is yeah. there anything you need? You know, um, just call them to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. So it always sounds like it's it's always the little things, right? And they yeah. just compound into the biggest things that can make those changes. Uh It's an interesting thought. Um, Do you think that, and this is again for both of you guys, uh, that veterans and soldiers in particular are put off at dealing with professionals like therapists and counselors and things like that? Or has that stigma sort of been kind of pushed to the side? I think it's still kind of there. I I think they think there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to go see a shrink or whatever it is. You just got to get that, again, that stigma. Um, that it's okay to get help. Yeah, you it's know, not weakness. Or it's okay, exactly. Yeah. It's not a weakness. It's okay to go talk to someone. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I, but I think it's still there. And that's where we are trying to make that not be an issue with people. Uh, my husband, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that if I would have recommended it to him, he would have looked at me like I was crazy. Like I was crazy. You know, really? I think he would have said, what are you talking about? I'm not, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Even though he gave me hints prior to that but I didn't see him until after unfortunately it was too late by then so but we have started an organization here in Brush um, it's called VSAP and it's Veterans Suicide Awareness and Prevention she got it she got it <laughs> so sad hey, hey, she got it start an organization I forget the name of it that's not good um, <laughs> Um, right now we're, we're, the money runs through KHAC, which now I don't know what that stands oh, for, gosh, here uh, we but go. anyway, it's a, um, uh, organization in Greeley, uh, that, um, is helping us with the funding piece of it. And it also is kind of run through the VA together with veterans. Great. So we just started that probably within the last five or six months, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so we meet at the VFW on the third Monday of uh, every month at five o'clock so if people are interested in joining that we're we have veterans uh, our biggest group are veterans we have health professionals we have law enforcement um we have we're trying to get some clergy involved um who am i missing in the groups um uh family members of veterans that are interested um you don't even have to be related to a veteran in any way if you just have some interest in suicide prevention. You know, we would love to have you. So there's probably about 40 some of us right now. That's great. That are involved in it in one way or another. So you can even be a community member. You can be a city official. Um, Rick Bain has come to, our mayor has come to a, a, a meeting or two. Awesome. So, yeah. And there's a website too. There's a website <laughs> and soon to be a Facebook page. Hey, hey. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's uh, N-E-C-O for Northeast Colorado 
VSAP, V-S-A-P, so N-E-C-O-V-S-A-P.org, if you want to check it out. Write that one down. So N-E-C-O-V-S-A-P.org. Yes, sir. I'll do the voice ads for that. I was going to try and do it, but it wasn't going to be very good because I couldn't think of a script off the top of my head. So that's what I get for trying to improv on a podcast. That's my mistake. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to to hear that the local the local organizations are bringing people in. Do you think the federal organizations are serving veterans adequately? Too loaded of a question, maybe. Not sure how to answer that. <laughs> I think we're both kind of like. <laughs> you can be honest. Remember, I can delete and yeah. edit whatever you want. I was just going to say, you know, I indirectly work with the VA, and you know, from what I observe, the VA has a lot of things that they do, things that they offer uh, for veterans. Um, could they do better? Probably so, but they're not sitting on their hands and not doing anything. So I think, yeah, they are, they are helping. I think the VA has had a bad rap for a long time, so it's hard for the veterans to trust them at this point. But like Dan said, I think they're trying, and I think they're trying to get better with it by offering more services. That's good. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up it's, I, again, preconceived bias, and I'm not a vet, is what I've heard was it's been ineffective or it's not good enough. Or when it is some kind of program, it's it's not an effective program for vets and it ends up wasting money or something along the lines of that. And to really try and check my bias in a way, it's ask vets, vets and ask people who have interacted with it, what's it like? And um, it seems like the more and more I talk about it with people is they're kind of in the middle, like they're getting there, they're getting better and uh, not quite as best, but it's like every federal program is sort of like that to a certain degree. I think the thing we need to realize is that uh, uh, in my example, when I help a veteran um, put together a claim for a compensation or disability, they don't see that being one of 67,000 other claims and, you know, sometimes it's, I'll get calls three days after we've sent in a claim asking if I've heard anything. And sometimes it takes months. It depends on where they end up in a pile. And, you know, it, appeals take years. But uh, I think the VA is doing a, a remarkably good job um, Especially now with COVID nineteen. Oh shoot! That's man, we're getting a lot of money. Ah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> with what's going on in society today, uh, because uh, a lot of the organizations that the veterans um, are working from home, so they're they're kind of handcuffed a little bit in that they don't have everything available to them that they had when they were in their office. Very true. Yeah. So I just think patience and, and uh, reassurance that it's happening. And I can call after a while and check on it and let them know. And I do that just to make sure they, they know I'm still in the ballgame with them. But Definitely. Um, it just takes time. If there was a magic one day in and you get your results the next day, that'd be great. Yeah, wouldn't but that be incredible? That doesn't happen. Definitely not at the federal government level. I think it's really hard that, you know, our veterans are passing away before they're even 
able to get their their benefits because it's taking so long so but you won't get it if you don't apply Very so true. would definitely suggest to definitely get a hold of dan and get your paperwork in dan you got contact info uh yeah i do you can reach me uh, my office is 970-542-3552 and i also have my cell phone number 768-3971 and i I'm available on either one. I'm still working from home part of the time. So if you can't get me on the uh, um, business line, call my personal line, and I'd be glad to invite you down. I, you know, the I work out of the Human Services Building in Fort Morgan, and they just opened today. Awesome. So now, you know, veterans can come in, and I can visit with them. The last nine weeks, it was all by telephone and computer and snail mail and all that so yeah things will move forward now uh this is a question i i tend to ask any of my soldier friends or vets friends uh just mostly from a curiosity standpoint uh after your experience in the military would you recommend to a teenager to join i think melody mentioned earlier that um so many of the experiences that you have when you go in the military help build character and make you a better person. Definitely. I mean, there were some that I didn't care for, calisthenics. <laughs> <in one of them. laughs> but, uh, you know, it did, uh, once you get past boot camp, you're, it's a kind of easy sailing as you move forward. So, yeah, I think it is. I don't, I don't know that I encourage anybody during a conflict to, to go down and register unless they're real um, die hard and excuse the word die, but uh, they really want to go out and serve their country. And there are people that, that want to do that. Um, I wasn't one of them. Uh, I, as I said before, I, I was drafted. I had a choice between getting drafted or going to Canada and I do not speak French. so. <laughs> No Quebecois in Dan's repertoire? That's too bad. Didn't give you an option of Sicily? Well, okay. If they thrown Sicily in, I'd be gone. That's my kind of, that's yeah. my kind of post is all I'm saying. No, that's, thank you for that honest answer, Dan. Yeah. Is that's, that's something that I, I found is uh, when I ask that question, I'm not trying to lead anybody anywhere. It's just it's very interesting the difference uh, of opinions I've heard from folks all over the place. Melody, what about you? Um, I'm totally for everybody should do at least two years. Oh, like a mandatory thing. Yeah. Interesting. Like mm-hmm. uh, Italy or Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Well, they do they do mandatory military service. I don't know true, exactly true. how it works, yeah. but they do mandatory military yeah. service for right. all male citizens, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't think it it hurts anybody. Um, makes you grow up really fast. Um, and I got to go to Sicily, so. <laughs> oh my goodness! She got my ticket. Dan, yeah, what the I heck? Got, I got Dan's ticket um, uh, a few years later, but. Uh, <laughs> hey, you didn't have to cut that out. <laughs> so there you go. So, no, I I really think everybody should do at least two years in the military. I think it's it's good for everybody. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I so that's. We're falling. This is actually a good segue for once. Um, I, I've been brainstorming this for a little while, but as technology improves, our access to better defense technology improves. That seems to make sense to me. But it also minimizes the amount of actual boots on the ground you'd probably need to do operations. I think that opens up a interesting idea in that you could have folks who are disabled or or have some kind of disability 
serve in the military with health issues. Would you guys be in favor of the military um, sort of removing some of the restrictions on health issues and allowing uh, more people to serve in, say, non-combative roles in the military? Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think even now, even when um, some of them are losing um, arms or legs or whatever, yeah. I think a lot of them are going back. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I believe so. I don't think there's a lot of restrictions on that anymore. That's as long as they can prove that they can do the job. Um, yeah, I think they're allowed to go back in now. Interesting. One of the. Hopefully and this I'm was, not speaking out of turn there, well, but I'm pretty I, sure that's. The beauty of a podcast is we could, we don't know. know. We're not Googling it while we're talking. We're just talking. All right. Someone will tell me if I'm wrong. Um, But (laughs) I I didn't push too hard with this. But one of the reasons I didn't move forward because I was really interested in the Air Force when I was in high school was I, in addition to being fat, um, (laughs) I, I had asthma. Um, and that, that plays a big role in your ability to get selected. And I, you know, I had my albuterol inhalers and all those different things, but it's just like, they told me, don't even apply. It's going to be a waste of time for you. And so with the space force starting up here recently, me being in love with space, it makes me very sad that the thing that's stopping me from getting in there is an inhaler when I could track a satellite with a computer. I don't need to be able to breathe to track a satellite on a computer. I just need to look at the screen. I got eyeballs. They don't work very well. I do wear glasses in fairness, but um, that, that was something that I had other friends who went through the same thing where what I would consider to be a minor health issue completely stopped them from a career in, in the military. I'd like to see that opened up because there's a bunch of really well-qualified people, I think, who could do some amazing logistics or contract purchasing, whatever jobs that exist. And then the realization of your idea, Melody, of everybody being able to serve two years is not only do they get the benefit of uh, the character building and the maturity and all that, mm-hmm. they also get to serve their nation in a right, positive yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I like that. But if you have an attack or something and, lose a satellite that could be a problem (laughs) just saying he was having he was in anaphylactic shock he didn't take his inhaler and the satellite (laughs) fell or something yeah no you're right i don't disagree with that it's it's just interesting i'm I'm very curious about uh what the future of the military is going to look like do do you guys think that uh we're going to have as many people or is it going to go more towards what i'm imagining is this crazy sci-fi future of robots and cyber warfare Hmm. what do you guys think that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, um, I, t- I tend to think that as our technology um, increases and uh, our abilities to use robotic, um, I don't want to say people, but robotics, um, it will probably change a little bit. I don't know. There's no replacement, I think, for the human spirit. Right. Uh, so, you know, that may still continue, but um, I think some jobs may be absorbed to robotic uh, instead of manpower. I think even just with technology alone, I think a lot of jobs have probably already changed since you and I have been in. Um, I think some of our jobs have probably been replaced. With, sure. You know, or, or whole new jobs invented, right. like IT communication exactly. systems manager or something like that that didn't exist 30 years ago or exactly, something. Exactly, yeah. Um, so that's really fascinating. Is uh, it, I've always heard that uh, the the military is pretty good at evolving with the times. Is that a accurate statement? I think to some degree, yeah. Yeah, I think they have to. In yeah. particular, with technology, mm-hmm. would probably yeah, be the best thing. Yeah, technology. Yeah. 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 When they when they get to the point where they don't need somebody to do KP, I'm all for it. <laughs> I don't know what KP is. <laughs> I peeled Peel, peeling potatoes. Bags oh. of potatoes. <laughs> They have a thing. You didn't. In and Out has one of those. It auto peels the potatoes, <laughs> yeah, turns them into French fries. Not in the military. Not in the military. 
You get that? Hey, you got strong forearms, though. <laughs> All right. That's really interesting. Um, we'll touch on one more thing with vets, and then we're going to jump into the... I still don't have sound effects for this for... Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> oh, the, the rapid fire. The rapid fire. The rapid fire. Hey, can I give that um, 800 number? Yeah, go for it. Um, so the Veterans Crisis Line is 1-800-273-8255, and you just press 1, and that will take you to the Veterans Crisis Line. So again, it's 1-800-273-8255, press 1. And hopefully very, very soon it'll be 411, much easier to remember. So, Only three numbers. Three numbers. Yeah, I could definitely do that. Uh, so I want to make sure I word this correctly. Uh, what, what would you change in terms of people's preconceived biases on what it means to be a soldier if you had a chance to just wave a magic wand and get people to understand what it means to be in that position. You'll have to answer that, Dan. I was a sailor. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Say, well, I, I should just emphasize this is applied to all know, folks. In the <laughs> I don't want you to feel slighted, so go ahead. <laughs> but it, it, I'm just curious. Is, if you had the power just to change those ideas, what would you do? Um, oh, wow. Just being proud. Um, you know, when a flag goes by I get goosebumps still you know I hear the national anthem I get goosebumps um it's just something to be very proud of um I don't know like that's just the word that jumps out at me I love I that though is to, yeah. sh- to let people feel what it's like to be that proud of of exactly. the country you love right um and the ideals and the values that you've decided to not only uh identify with but to also lay your actual life on the line to support. I think that's yeah. pretty heavy. And um, maybe even a little humble, you know, you, you're, you're excited and you, you like, you appreciate the, um, the standing ovation you get through an airport or whatever, but yet you still don't really want people to know, you know, that, that you were there oh, that's or interesting whatever. Viewpoint. So I don't know. I think you get it both sides from the veterans. You know, a lot of them don't want people to even know they're a veteran, mm-hmm. you know, because of what they came back to, like in the Vietnam War, back in the you know, day. they don't want to be spit on again. And that's the vision that they have, right. which it wouldn't happen nowadays. I don't believe. No, usually um, they bump you into the plane first before everybody, exactly. which is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uniform. but at the same time, that's uh, that's it's sort of sad in that people don't already know that. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's something where you we, we get this idea that a lot of people uh, will support vets, especially at, at the big federal level is. They'll say, we want to support these people. We want to do these things with those people. And then you look at their actions and they don't quite line up with the verbs that are coming out. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think to piggyback on what Melody was saying is a lot of them don't want to tell their story because they don't feel like they deserve accolades or benefits. They don't want to apply because they figure, well, my job is not significant enough that I deserve benefits, which is incorrect. And I will state it for the podcast. You served, you deserve. You should pursue benefits. You sacrificed your time and a lot of people their lives. Um, you know, and that's, uh, I guess I wanted to also state that, you know, what I feel proud, but I also feel sad for those that were lost. 
and there's you know just so many of them that um, it just makes you feel like you were so lucky that you got through it you know whether you served in a conflict a war or you know wherever you served you should feel proud about that and you should um, want to wear your uniform or you know say yes I am a veteran wear your hat you know um, I just think it's important that we as veterans uh, uh, express our our pride in what we did and the fact that we served because you'll have a lot of veterans that only did two years but never left the states so they don't feel like they're a veteran and you're just like no you you signed on the same line that we did you know no you're you're a veteran whether you did a year or 18 months or two years or 25 years you're a veteran definitely I really hope vets are hearing this because this I've heard you guys say that many times and it's absolutely changed my perception on what it means to be a vet. And I I couldn't agree with you more now. It's it really is. And there's just a lot of camaraderie, too. I mean, we know how to talk to each other. You know, we've got our lingo. Snapping towels or whatever it is you guys used to do back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I forgot about that one. But yeah. (laughs) Clearly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But even military families, a lot of them sometimes, you know, when vets get together, they're not sure what they're talking about, you know, because they're just they're not in that group. Yeah. You know, so. Thank you guys so much for sharing uh, about vets and all the great things you guys do. It's it's truly truly appreciated from my perspective and i know that the the vets you've helped i'm sure they appreciate you guys so much and melody 22 a day is just incredible i i i want to find a way wherever i go after brush i want to find a way to kickstart it somewhere else that'd be awesome to fight and support your cause uh and and dan just all the things you've done oh geez i mean uh, keep helping these people that's 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 what we need to do and i'm glad you're in a position to do that dan you seem to really care about it yeah that's awesome i do so Jeez, how do thank I, you for that. Yeah, how do I dig out of this hole? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys ready for the rapid fire? Well, it's I thought we were done. Fun one. No, no, no. I was saying thanks. No. So. Well, I was trying to tie up the serious stuff before I ask you guys a bunch of stupid questions because <laughs> uh, I, I feel I feel bad if I don't at least okay. acknowledge those things because that's honestly all of that work is really incredible and I'm so thankful that you guys you know chose my podcast to share that stuff on my my very humble one listener podcast. Yes, yes. We're going rapid fire. <laughs> Rapid fire. The first question on the rapid fire today. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Is this the way it's going to be? This is kind of how it goes, Dan. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I thought about it really, really hard last night. They, well, they probably don't have a lot of strength, I would think. So... A lot. Quite a, <laughs> quite a few chickens. A lot? Yeah, a lot's an acceptable answer. Dan, how many, Good, yeah. how many chickens? Dan's <laughs> going with a one. lot. More than well, You don't know. Maybe it's a real powerful chicken. All right. Or it scares it just in the right way that maybe the elephant trips off a bridge or it something. It's a heart and, attack. Yeah. <laughs> Falls down and kills a chicken. Yeah. Well, no. It's Well, then that would be an interesting two birds, one stone <laughs> yeah, situation, right. wouldn't it? That's funny. Um, I kept thinking it'd have to be at least in the hundreds. Uh I could spend a long time talking about this at, at a ridiculous length. On the last podcast, one of the questions I asked Melody was, how many holes does a straw have? One. Oh, my gosh. He got it right right away. I probably already told him. Did you? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. A lot of people say two. Uh, yeah, but one at each I end. One at each end. But actually, one goes all the way through. It's just one hole. Yeah. 
This is the important questions we ask on Beat Around the Brush, Dan. <laughs> yes, it's important to know these. All right, next question on rapid fire. Pew, pew. Uh, so was there an answer? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no one knows. I just asked stupid questions. <laughs> okay, just I, I said to the tune of hundreds. It would have to be at least hundreds if it was just based on skirmishes and if they could somehow like duct tape a knife to their wing or something. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, second question is cereal soup. Is that a brand name I'm not familiar with? No, no, cereal. Cereal, 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 as in like Lucky Charms not like in a bowl with milk. Killer, not like that kind of cereal. What in the world? Where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> Is cereal soup? What's the definition of soup? That's, wow, that's what we're here to debate. Um, it could be involved milk. <laughs> um, tomato soup. Dan, has, careful with that. It's going to pick up everything you're doing. Tomato oh. soup has milk in it. Maybe, <laughs> I guess, cereal could be. Well, so like, isn't there cold soup? There's. Isn't cold there like soup? a cold soup? What, what is it called? Bo- bosh? Bo- Something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bo- bo- Whatever. It sounds disgusting is <laughs> what it sounds like. Um, I know. Bo- borscht? Borscht? Could be. The Russian soup, right? It's cold. Potato soup. Yeah. Yeah, it's cold. Could Cereal's be. cold. Okay. Well, sure. I, I would say yes. <laughs> With that. Dan's like, can we go back to the veterans discussion? Definition? <laughs> yeah, yes. So we can now have soup for breakfast, is what you're saying. Or... Cereal for dinner. For cereal for dinner. <laughs> it's the same thing. Uh, it's definitely not a stew, from what I read. I can I can definitely put that out there. Okay. Stew requires more chunky bits. <laughs> it, turns, it turns out. Right. Uh, so oh, that's an interesting all. point. Yeah. <laughs> well, These are the hard hitting questions we ask on beat around the brush. <laughs> uh, what's the weirdest thing a, gu- a guest has done at your house? If you had to think about that one for a second. Could it be like when I was in high school? Absolutely. In my parents' house? Absolutely. Um, I had a party at my mom and dad's house when they weren't there. Uh-oh. And the guy threw up in my mom's recliner. Are you serious? <laughs> and I guess maybe it wasn't the guests that did the weird thing. It was more me because I cleaned it up with the vacuum cleaner. Oh, God. <laughs> and never told my mom. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, I, uh, that's probably still there. You I don't told know. your mom that? I didn't. No, I didn't want to get in trouble. I was already in trouble for having a party. <laughs> wow. How did she not notice the puke on the chair? Oh, I cleaned it up. The smell. But yeah. I didn't tell her about the barf that was in the vacuum cleaner bag. <laughs> oh, gee. Not sure when she cleaned that I'm out, sure, actually. I'm sure she was real happy with that. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know why that came to me, but it just jumped out that at me. That is weird. Definitely that, the that vacuum. Was, that was pretty weird. That's a funny jump. Yeah. <laughs> I can't follow that. Man. Yeah, that's a tough that. one. Sorry, Dan. I, I can't. I honestly spent a, I spent probably about an hour last night trying to think of something weird someone has done in my house. And every single thing that I came up with was too inappropriate for this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately, I cannot share any of the stories that I have. But rest assured, a lot of weird things have happened at some of the places I've lived. Um, we only have two more questions. So, Dan, this pain is almost over. Okay. This what's yours since I had to do that one. Yeah, yeah. What's something invisible, but you wish people could see it? Hmm. Yeah, it's a weird one. Mm. It's like, yeah. Dan's face right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's podcast. That's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, That is a hard one. Can't think of anything? 
all the dusty germs floating around in the air. <laughs> oh, they, see that? I was actually thinking about that as well. I watched an episode of Mythbusters. You guys uh-huh. ever seen that show? Mm-hmm. It's a, a show where they take common myths that, that people claim, and then they try and debunk them with science. Well, one, one of the episodes, they wanted to show you the spread of snot um, <laughs> at a dinner party and to show you how easy it is to spread diseases uh, in a quick and... and simple area well they came up with this apparatus that like leaked on the side of the nose of the the primary scientist and so he'd wipe his face and then like touch stuff and all that well what they did was they dyed the liquid coming from his nose with uv dye and used a black light to show you where it went and the whole table some people had it on their face that's my phone how embarrassing is that um and Greg Edel, of all people. <laughs> the guy hasn't talked to me in six months, and now he wants to call me in the middle of a podcast. Come on, Greg. Uh, anyway, it, it was one of those where it absolutely blew my mind, is I wish people could see, like, you wipe your nose, and then you go touch a chair. Well, it's on the chair now. And so when some person walks up to that chair and touches it, it's on their hand now. And it goes from there, and especially in the middle of the plague, not the other thing that we can't say on this podcast. Uh, it probably would be nice to see where all that stuff is going. I did see that on a Facebook post. What? Where they did that. Oh, really? Yeah. How cool. Yeah, they did the, I don't know what they put on his hands to portray the yeah. plague. The plague. <laughs> yeah, it was really pretty disgusting, all the things that he did touch. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, saw it on the no Cheetos clue. commercial. <laughs> oh, with the too much Cheeto dust in your fingers? <laughs> That's true. The cat had it. I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember. I forgot that. about that one. That's a good point. So those poor Mythbusters guys spent like a couple million dollars on it. All they had to do was buy a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> and one of those lights, you know. That's hilarious. So true. Okay, we're on the last question again. I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me about some serious issues and obviously towards the end about some very not serious issues um, on my very humble one listener podcast unfortunately dan um melody already did this question on the last podcast so it has to go to you oh okay um this is my standard last question that i ask on every podcast oh it's the one melody told me about already. which one <laughs> no, okay. not oh not i guess we're gonna find out no, do don't. do you have a secret or weird talent oh yes oh melody's was she can touch her tongue to her nose it's rather incredible <laughs> you don't want to see that with the Stuff, though, because yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> and then the black light, that would not be good. Too many Cheetos. <laughs> I have um, a talent. Ooh, okay. Unbeknownst to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's peculiar. <laughs> that I've been told. Okay. <laughs> Is this clean? <laughs> We're going to find out shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. This is going to have to be cut. <laughs> you said Sicily? <laughs> oh, I said, is this going to be cut? Oh, no. That's no, funny. I have no talent. I'm, I'm not very exciting. I'm sorry. I don't have much to go around. Oh, you can't. It really was dirty? Now I wanted to know. No, no, I think he can't think He of was messing with us. I'm trying to think if I know of anything he does that's kind of. No. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to go back to the last, que- the other question when you said, "What? Um, what's invisible? What's invisible?" Oh yeah, you want to make something invisible? I that think you everybody wish see. should have the right to know what people say about them. Ooh, oh, that's an interesting perspective. Wouldn't it make people? You don't want to know what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> 
Melody, you are married. <laughs> you don't mind me turning that back? Yeah, no, all right. <laughs> Eric, watch out. That's is there, funny. Is Eric your one viewer? Yeah, I think he's the only one. Well, the second I mentioned Rocky Mountain Oysters in the last one, it's the only part he's listened to like 14 times in a row. What did I say? I said he, I saw him swimming in a four foot above ground pool hunting for Rocky Mountain Oysters in the last podcast. Like, what was I even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you know what? What what people say about you. Not just but not thinking, not, just what is they it thinking? Because thinking seems terrifying. Well yeah. you know there's people that, that talk behind your back. Yeah. But if those words were just flashed up on <laughs> you know, this mysterious screen. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the things I've said behind your back that would come up. And the oh, only there thing they go, man. Yeah. The only thing that comes up is I frequently call you a mob boss behind your back, but it's only because of your ringtone. Or like I'll say something along the lines of I probably joked with you about this a couple times, like I better get this done for Dan or he's gonna break my leg or something yeah, like that. You get know? out the cement bag. Yeah, yeah. But well, I don't I think it gets much true. worse than that. <laughs> Um, no, that's really fascinating. Well, I'll let you go on the secret or weird talent thing. Um, on the next podcast, you're going to have to bring something to it. It's mandatory. Okay. Well, so if I know whatever, that'll be the last question. Whatever you Just come make up. something up. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I had to show mine. Though. I mean, I did say you make a mean meatball, and I do stand by that. It's true. I do okay. think you do make good meatballs. So It's my mama's. Ma- Not a hidden talent, though. People Mama already Mia. know. Mama Mia. <laughs> that's very nice. Well, thank you guys so much for being on today. This I really, fun. really appreciate it. And uh, nice. hopefully we'll get you guys on again soon, and um, we could talk about all the updates and all the great things that you guys have done for veterans over. Very good. Uh, we can talk about what Melody's been doing since she's gone. <laughs> yeah, just finally got her pot farm started there up. There you and go. She's going to start selling to Log Lane Village. Make and, some yeah, money. 40 acres of hemp and... <laughs> I think it's a plan. <laughs> you got the property for it. I do. Yeah. I do. Eric yeah. knows how to drive a tractor. You're good to go. Yes, well, so do I. Get, well, not <laughs> now you can do two tractors at the same time. That's not, crazy. It's not all about Eric, you know. Well, I just <laughs> said you'd want him as the hemp hand or whatever you call him on the hemp plantation. Hander. The hemp handler. Uh, not ranch hand, right? Because it's a hemp facility. There you go. Wow, this yeah. is devolving at the uh, end. Yes, of it. it is. Yes, it um, is. All right, well, we'll share this. You know, if Dan shares this with his family, you should have at least 10 supporters. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to make still $0 off it, but I'm very excited to have more people. <laughs> right. <listening. Good. laughs> they'll dial in. Yeah. So. Maybe they'll all call in and tell us what Dan's special talent is. Yeah. I really want to know. I know. Me too. Like, I feel like there, there is something there, and, and we're going to miss it today. If but. I tell you, I have to kill you. Oh, that's <laughs> So you, you take the... Pick which one you want. He's I think Dan's hidden talent is trying to figure out how to get 10 hours of work or 25 hours of work into like four. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, he's a busy guy. It's like Wait. Schrodinger's work. Everybody's busy. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I said thank you like 10 times now. Can we end this thing? Jeez. All right, guys. Mm-hmm.